Hey, Pastor Gary here. Welcome back uh, once again for our online church experience today. And we've been we've been doing this search the last little while, and uh, and by search I really mean study and talk uh, from the Book of Acts, and uh, with a you know a little break in there for Mother's Day. But I want to ask you this question, and I'm sure I know the answer by asking you this. But maybe maybe just throw it in the comments or, or share a story with someone a little bit later. But have you ever made plans and had those plans? change or plan to do something and then have things completely fall apart and, uh, you know, basically have everything completely changed and not go according to plan where you basically take your itinerary, you take your your strategic summary document and plan and you just rip it up and just kind of throw it into pieces and go, whatever. Um, we're going to kind of talk about what do we do when things don't go according to plan. What do we do when things don't go according to plan? Now, if you've ever done any kind of home renovation uh, where you're taking an old structure or an older home especially, uh, and, and it gets even more complicated when you take a home that's been renovated multiple times, and it doesn't take long for you to realize that things are not going to go the way that you expected them to go. Of course, we see television studios and TV channels like HD, HGTV make hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, showing you these kinds of projects and telling these kinds of stories. But you would know from a renovation project that sometimes things do not go according to plan. You open up a wall, you, you open up the floor, or you're looking at a ceiling, you crawl through the attic, you're taking shingles off a roof, you're, whatever your project is, and you, you open something up and you realize that things are not what you thought they were, or someone else had renovated something and they did it the wrong way or they didn't have the right materials and you go, why in the world would you do that? Or why would you not do it properly? I can remember as a young, young teenager working for a contractor from our home church and looking at this beautiful home that was constructed and it was on a gorgeous spot on the lake, amazing views, uh, you know, just, a, just an overall beautiful home. And everything we touched, everything that we had to change, everything we worked on, guaranteed we found problems. We, we came across things that we just caused. I mean, because I was just learning. I had no idea that it was wrong. But I was learning in the process what was right and what was wrong. That this was not the way that you're supposed to do these kinds of projects. I mean, there was... There was water damage and water was getting into places where it should have been diverted and all of these kinds of things taking place. I can remember uh, we were doing some work in a basement. The house had a basement apartment and, and uh, we, we would come into the living room and it's an outside wall. And we walk down, there's a, there's a basement door, walkout basement. We come in and we have to replace the light fixtures uh, in order just to kind of spruce it up. We weren't supposed to be doing a lot of work downstairs just enough to kind of make some light changes. Not really a renovation, more of a remodel in this particular part of the house. And I remember taking apart the, I wasn't me, I was there. They're taking apart the light fixture and they pull the light fixture off the wall and there's a little bit of water sitting in the bottom of the light fixture. 
on this outside wall. Of course, it's inside, but it's an outside wall. And I don't know if you know this, but water and electricity do not go well together. Well, sure enough, later that day, the tenant that was living in that apartment had come by uh, either home for lunch or home from work and said, yeah, every once in a while, the lights kind of flicker. It's kind of does these weird things. And he's kind of telling, explaining these these situations that he's experiencing. And oh, he said, well, why don't you take a look at this? And we show him, yeah, there's water here in the light fixture uh, and there's not supposed to be water there. And of course, what had happened is someone had built a deck to the house and they had not waterproofed or sealed anything properly. So water was, as it would rain and as snow would melt, it would come in behind the siding into the wall and it was running down the wall and kind of pooling and going whatever, you know, water takes the, the path of least resistance, of course. And so it, it found a home sitting in the electrical box and in this light fixture, just kind of pooling there every so often. And so that meant, of course, we didn't know what we were getting into, what kind of damage had been done because somebody didn't listen to the instructions and somebody made a mistake along the way. And I can remember that was the first time I ever learned really uh, just how intense and how um, how drywall installation goes. Let's put it that way. And so we remember we pulled down all the drywall off the outside wall and uh, pulled out all the insulation. And of course, being 13, being young, uh, my job was to make sure that all of that material got to the dumpster bin. And so hauled it up the hill and all these kinds of things. But if you ever had a plan not go to court, ever had plans not go according to plan? Well, I got this little thing I want to show you. You've probably seen this before, maybe on my desk or on this shelf. And you've probably even seen me show this off before, but it's this little picture of, of Snoopy. All right. And, uh, I'm not like a huge Peanuts fan, but I do enjoy some of the, the statements, the comics, the one-liners, those kinds of things. Um, but I really like this. My wife got this for me. Um, I can't remember when now. It was birthday, anniversary, Christmas. Um, but it very much is uh, indicative of who I am as a person. I like to change things up. I like to, you know, whatever. I like to go with the flow. And if the wind blows this way, let's go that way. And um, maybe that's a sign of immaturity. I'm not too sure. But uh, it's more of the easygoing personality is what it comes down to. And I tell you what, having an easygoing personality is really good during a pandemic. But uh, if there's one thing to define the last 15 months or so, or even how to handle things when things don't go your way and when plans fall apart, is to remember this line, is that sometimes you have to improvise, okay? Sometimes you have to improvise, all right? And of course, he's playing a saxophone. Now, for all you musicians out there, you know that jazz music is full of improvisation. Now, here's one thing that you need to pay attention to about jazz music, is that jazz, as much as it has improvisation into it, as much as they kind of make things on the spot, it's actually a planned, coordinated improvisation to a point. You have to know and be thinking three, four, five steps ahead of where you are before you actually improvise. Because even, even though there's, you know, maybe some sense of disorganization to it, you have to still know where you're going. You have to still know your destination of where you're going to end up by doing this move or that move. So there's still some strategy involved in improv. 
Uh, just like a stand-up comedian has to take his audience from here to here and take them on this journey and tell the story. And, and, and most professional stand-up comedians, even the ones that are doing improv, they, they have a goal in mind of where they want to take their audience. They have a destination in mind. Now, how they get there, there could be multiple paths, multiple ways to do that. But they're improvising along the way, knowing their destination. They're improvising along the way, knowing their destination. Much like a jazz musician, sometimes you have to improvise. Now, we are going to talk about a man who is rather famous from the Bible. His name is Paul. Now, Paul is on a journey of incredible, I mean, his, his whole life, his conversion story is just absolutely fascinating, absolutely compelling. And I encourage you to uh, read through the book of Acts to hear about Paul's story. Now, the last month or so since, you know, we had Pentecost Sunday, we talked about last week. And earlier in the spring, or after Easter, we did our joint sermon series on the books of, book of Acts, going through a number of of, of uh, different situations that we encountered. Uh, today, I want to pick up where we left off last week. And so last week, we talked about the Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. And at the, end of the, at the end of the message, I gave you an opportunity just to stand still before the Lord and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit so that you would have power to be able to do the work of the ministry. That you would be baptized with the Spirit so that you would know the commission that you have to do the work that God has called you to do. Because when we have the confidence of the Spirit, not just living inside of us, but empowering us, giving us supernatural strength, it really helps us handle those situations and those moments when life doesn't go our way. Because in that moment, we realize we don't rely on our own strength. We rely in the power of God. We rely on the strength of God. We know the destination that Jesus gave us. He gave his disciples and he gives that same commission to us to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I am so excited to share with you. I am so excited as a pastor of North Shore Church to see these things starting to take place in our congregation. I am so excited to see someone like Nancy who is sharing uh, her experience and sharing her opportunity and following the leading of God's voice to lead her own small group. And Nancy's been a part of a small group here. Nancy's a part of other other groups. And she came to me and said, hey, Pastor Gary, can can I start a group of people to, to talk about some of the messages that were spoken? And I want to try this out. And and it's so exciting to see other people, new people, people. Maybe, maybe you're watching. Maybe you're one of the people from Nancy's group. And maybe you've been invited to her group. And we're so thrilled that you are there. We're so thrilled that you are watching right now online because you are fulfilling the mission of God, the plan of God, the purposes of God. And you're discovering for yourself the truth of who God is, who Jesus is, and what he wants to do in your life. And we want to, as a pastor especially, make sure that you understand how God wants to use and work through your life. And so that's what we're going to get to today. Because sometimes God gives us a destination. He may even give us a plan 
But sometimes things are going to happen along the way that God obviously knows about, but we don't. And we have to trust him. We have to hold on to him. And we have to continue to pursue him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in love. Now, is that frustrating sometimes? Absolutely. Does it cause us want to quit at times? Absolutely it does. But the biggest takeaway that you can have happen right now in this moment is to continually hold on to God through every high and stormy gale that comes. Because those challenges will come, the heartache will come, the shipwrecks will come, the storms will come. You're going to get what seems to be stranded on an island for a while. Those moments in life are going to happen. But hold on to God and hold on to the call he has for your life. And if you're unsure of what that is, that is perfect. Because you that means that you are in the exact place to receive a word from the Lord. That means that you are ready and waiting to receive from him. You know, I go back all the way to Isaiah and it says, uh, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And so maybe you don't know your marching orders yet. What does God want me to do? And the bottom simple answer is, in the meantime, love God and love others. Love God and love others. And it won't take you very long to find out the needs around you that God is empowering you through his Holy Spirit to fulfill. Message for another day, or maybe not. But just take that for free today. We're going to head to the end of the book of Acts. And I'm going to read uh, just the story of Paul from the New Living Translation. Got the Bible here in front of me. My head's going to be down. I'm not going to look into the camera quite as much. But I'm going to read this story. And then I'm going to give you a few notes that I have on this story. And it's going to help us understand what to do when things don't go the way we planned. All right, we're going to just jump in that. As we do that, let's pray. And to just trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to us as I read from the scripture this morning from Acts, starting in maybe 27. I might skip a little bit here and there. Okay, can we do that? That's awesome. So you can get your Bible if you want, Acts 27. But let's just pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful for your love, oh God, that just pours over us. Uh, Lord, as I stood in front of Lake Superior a few weeks ago and just shared of how how deep, how wide, and how vast your love is for us, just like that lake. God, you have uh, just blessed us so much because you have offered us mercy. You have offered us grace. And we pray that uh, we would once again uh, remember who we are in your sight as your children, as your sons and your daughters, full of grace, full of mercy, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe in you, God the Father. We believe in the Son. And we certainly, without a shadow of a doubt, believe in the Holy Spirit. Today, we also remember the power of the Holy Spirit to do a work through us. And Lord, we just continue to believe and watch over each of us now and speak to us through your word as we read about this incredible journey, O God. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, head over to Acts chapter 27. And as you head over there, I'm going to get you to multitask. Uh, if this is something that you're excited about or you're really wanting to hear, what do I do when things go awry? What do I do when things don't work out? Go ahead and click that like button and even just leave it in the comments today and let us know, uh, yeah, I'm ready to hear from this. And, and maybe you're not ready, but you can click the save button or save for later button. Just come back to this message another time and it'll be on our website as well. You can check it out there uh, uh, along with all of our other past messages. 
uh, put this one in the pocketbook. Uh, write it down a few notes, put it in the Bible and say, you know, the next time something happens that was unexpected, next time things don't go the way I planned, I'm going to come back to this message or I'm going to come back to this scripture and I'm going to remember what Paul went through and I'm going to remember what Pastor Gary said on this day to help me through those moments, okay? So let's, uh, let's do that now. If you know someone that is kind of living that right now, and you think this would be a helpful message, just share this message with them. We want to be able to, to reach people who have a need today as well. So let's head over to Acts chapter 27, reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. I've had this particular Bible since, since I think grade 10, maybe even grade 9, maybe I can't remember, one of those grades, high school anyway. Not that that matters to you. But uh, here's, what's, here's what's going on. Okay, so Paul is on his way to Rome. Uh, Acts chapter 23, just so you know what I'm talking about. Acts 23, uh, verse 11. Uh, This is what it says. It says, That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem. You must preach. All right, let's pay attention to that. You must preach the good news in Rome as well. Now, I have, I have a couple maps here in my Bible. I'm going to get really high tech and just put the picture up to the camera. Okay? Jerusalem is quite a distance from Rome, in case you are unaware. It's across a very treacherous body of water known as the Mediterranean Sea. Or, of course, you could take the long way around. But we know in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, the Lord commissions Paul and says, look, you have been an amazing witness here in Jerusalem, but you must go and speak the good news to Rome. Now, let me just jump ahead to the story. The church has already been established in Rome. And what I think is a cool uh, point to make reference to is that it wasn't Paul who started the church in Rome. It wasn't one of the other apostles who started the church in Rome. The church in Rome was likely started by believers or disciples who were disciples of disciples. Did you catch that? The church in Rome was started by people who didn't know Jesus personally in person. They didn't know the disciples in person because it was started by disciples who were disciples who were disciples of Jesus, likely from Macedonia or Asia Minor in their reference. Kind of a fun fact, but important to note that you don't have to have the superstar plant the church, okay? You don't have to be a superstar to lead someone to Jesus because we're all called as followers, as dedicated followers to make disciples. Paul is just one of these guys that God uses in supernatural ways because Paul was willing. And there's lots of other things we can go to with Paul's qualifications. But the biggest thing that we need to take away is that Paul was called by God to go to Rome and share the good news. All right, and he's given this commission from the Lord Jesus Christ, go to Rome. You have been a good witness in Jerusalem. Time for you to go to Rome. And through a series of events, the Jewish leaders are quite upset with Paul and they start to plot against him to have him murdered and killed. And they try to use the legal system to their advantage. But Paul, being a Roman citizen himself, decides to make a plea and appeal to Caesar, which means 
He's going to have an audience with the emperor of the entire Roman Empire. And so, series of events that's going to get him to Rome. You dive into that on your own time as well. But really cool, fascinating stuff. But Paul knows he's called to go to Rome. And how he gets there is not the way he wanted to get there. That's the bottom line we need to know. Okay? So, Paul sails for Rome. All right, this is what it says. Now, on this journey, let me just let me just back up here. Uh, verse 32 of 26. And King Agrippa said to Festus, who was a governor, uh, talking about Paul, this is what he says. He says, he could have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. Paul could have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. And why is this true? The, the bottom line is this. Paul is innocent. All right, you can go back and read the story, but Paul is innocent. He's running away from those conspiring to kill him and persecute him. And not that he's even running away. He just has a higher calling. And so he appeals to Caesar, and this is how he's going to get to Rome. But even the king of the area and the governor of the area go, this man is innocent. And even Festus, the only reason he even uh, took an opportunity to hear Paul's case was he was trying to do a favor to the Jewish leaders. Even though he didn't have to, it was good kind of political clout to make a deal with them and offer them this favor. And so he basically goes, I don't really know what to do with Paul. And so he appeals to his higher authority. King Agrippa gets involved and they have a meeting and King goes, this man is innocent. If he would not have appealed, he would be free to go. But of course, Paul knows what's really going on here. They're out to kill him. And this is sort of his ticket out. And if they end up killing him and he's innocent, now they are guilty as well. So now Paul is a prisoner and he's being sent to Rome to meet with Caesar. Now here's something that you need to know. If you are a prisoner in the time of the Roman Empire, the person that is in charge of guarding you is responsible for you with their life. In other words, if you escape and run away, that person gets put to death because they failed to do their job. All right, that's going to be important a little bit later. All right, Pastor Gary, stop talking, get into the message, get into the word. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a capital, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Uh, Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adarimithium. You say, if you can't say it properly, just say it fast and no one notices. On the northwest coast of the province of Asia, it was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. And so, okay, we're going to just skip ahead here. Here's what you need to know. The ship that they sailed on was not a very big vessel. They made lots of stops along the way, which was planned because it wasn't a large vessel. And so makes makes perfect sense. Uh, keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Sicilia, Pamphylia, Landinat Myra in the province of Lycia or Lycia. There, the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy and he put us on board. All right. Did you pick up on that? 
the commander that was looking after the prisoners found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy and put us on board. Remember, they're slaves, they're prisoners, they're basically kind of cargo. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete, along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lysea. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall and, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. So Paul, he's a pretty wise guy, he's pretty experienced, got lots of life experience and he decides to talk to the officers. This is what he says in verse 10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. A shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, it was a poor place to spend the winter. Most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. Now, if you are on the big lake on the North Shore, you know that the worst time to travel on this lake is end of October into November as the weather changes. This is also true in the Mediterranean as the weather and the seasons change, as the wind begins to howl, as winter comes, it is a nasty time to cross the Mediterranean Sea. Fun fact for you there. All right, so Paul says, look, we got to stop here. If we keep going, it's already been a hard journey and it's not going to get any better. And they decide to ignore him and press on. Verse 13, when a light wind, light wind, pay attention to that, blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they piled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But, and here we go, the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of a typhoon strength, called a nor'easter, caught the ship and blew it out to sea. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Citrus off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Look at that. Paul said, we might have to lose our cargo. We might get shipwrecked. We might even lose our lives. Warning, warning. Oh, what do you know? Verse 18, they began throwing cargo overboard. The following day, they took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible, terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together. So remember, Paul's a prisoner here in this situation. He doesn't have much of a voice. In compared to, say, the captain or even the, 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 the captain of the prisoners. 
But at this point, all hope was gone. And Paul, being confident of his call to go to Rome, calls the crew together and says, listen up. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place. This is Paul saying, I told you so. You would have avoided all of this damage and loss. So he gives them the bad news. He gives you, I told you so moment, but then he doesn't leave them hanging. He says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. <laughs> even though the ship will go down, none of you will lose your lives. For last night, and this is why Paul gets confidence. Pay attention to this. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and who I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand before trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness, pay attention to that, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. All right, here's the bad news, here's the good news, but here's the bad news, and here's the good news. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. And sure enough, verse 27, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, two weeks of this, a fortnight, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, we were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from back of the ship and prayed for daylight. The sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out an anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the sailor, notice how they finally listened to Paul. You know, they had to go through this great trial before they finally listened to Paul. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. That is an incredible faith moment. I feel like there's a sermon right in that moment. Sometimes you have to cut out the lifeboat to trust God. Sometimes he's asking you to cut the strings of the lifeboat. You don't need a backup plan. You don't need a plan B. Maybe you need to improvise. You don't need a plan B. But sometimes God is saying, look, cut the strings of the lifeboat. It's only holding you back. Put your faith in your trust in me and I'll see you through. What a bold moment of faith. But they're putting their trust in Paul. More importantly, they're putting their trust in the goodness of God. All right, that's a sermon for another time. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You know, if there's any other secondary message in here is that when you're going through a trial, don't forget to eat. Don't overeat, but don't forget to eat. You've been so worried you haven't touched your food for two weeks. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Man, I think I had a few hairs of my heads perish over the years. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before all of them, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us who were on board after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. You know, this is, this is something that I just think we need to pay attention to here as a model for us. 
as followers of Jesus. And if you're not there yet, if you're not yet a follower, that's okay. When you are a follower, because I believe if you're watching today, God, God has a heart and desire that you would know him because he already knows you. But for those of us, especially for those of us in a, in a workplace, I mean, I'm kind of in a bubble. I work for the church. So I, I have to be sort of extra intentional to be out involved in the community and get to know people who don't think the same or believe the same as me. But for those of you in the workplace, you work with people who aren't Christians or followers of Jesus. And so pay attention to this because at the beginning, no one listened to Paul, right? They all thought they knew better. No one listened to him. And so he remained faithful to God. He remained faithful to his call. And when the storm came, when the trial came, who did they look to? Who took charge of the situation? It was Paul. So all this to say, sort of as a side note, is if you're a follower of Christ, keep going. If people laugh at you, if people don't listen to you, if people don't care, there's going to be a moment where there's going to be a great trial. And there's going to be a moment where there's going to be great difficulty. And people are going to be without hope. And you're going to stand in the middle of the group and you're going to be full of joy. You're going to be full of, maybe you're going to have uncertainty and, and, and not know what's going to happen next. Maybe you do know what's going to happen. We know what happens at the end of the story. We know that Jesus is going to make things well. We know that as believers. We know that no matter what happens on this earth, all will be well. We know we got to take a few bumps to get there. But through that storm, people are going to be looking for hope. And you're going to stand there with a smile on your face. You're going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be able to bring incredible direction. And you're going to be able to bring incredible hope so that people aren't going to worry. They're not going to jump into chaos. They're not going to create confusion. But you're going to be able to say, hey, pause for a minute. Breathe. Have something to eat. We're going to move through this. Why are we going to move through this? Because God has spoken. Because I know the end of the story. So stay with the ship. Don't, don't jump out of, don't, don't jump overboard now. You're not going to make it. Stay with the ship. Stay the course. God has got this. All right. Trust in him. Trust and see how God has delivered me. Trust in him. All right. Paul really kind of is this changer. I remember Paul's still a prisoner. So now he's got the captain of the ship. He's got the captain of the prisoners. He's got the entire crew, the 275 people on board with him, listening to his instruction. So hold fast. Stay firm in your faith. Stay grounded in the word. Stay close to Jesus. Don't give up. Remember, he's on this ship. He's in the storm. And what does he say? Oh, by the way, last night an angel of the Lord came to me and said, we're going to make it. All right. Be in conversation with God. Be in conversation with the Father. Because he's speaking. All right. When morning dawned, verse 39, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could go to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Another incredible step of faith. Kind of this last ditch, what we would call a Hail Mary. They lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards shore. But they hit a shoal and ran aground, and they ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the storm was repeatedly, the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. Now, remember what I said about soldiers and guards. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he did not let any of them carry out their plan. 
He ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to the shore. And what shore did they land on? They landed on the beautiful little island of Malta. All right, you can see that here in my map. That's where they ended up, right there, island of Malta. So you think, praise God, they made it. Look at that, Paul is right. Well, did they make it to Rome? Well, not yet. They're only on another island, which means they have to get into another boat and cross the sea. They still have to get to Rome, but for now, they're safe. Or are they? Dum, dum, dum. All right, let's keep it interesting here. Huh. Once they were safe on shore, verse chapter 28, they learned they were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. All right, this is such a great, great moment. Are you ready for this? Remember, just think about what they've been through. Paul is frustrated. He's tired. He says, look, guys, you didn't listen to me. I knew we would end up in this situation. This is not where I want to be. This is not where God has called me to be. But finally, their lives are in spare, and this is what happens next. As Paul gathered an arm full of sticks and was laying them on the fire, like any normal person would do, guess what happens? A poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. <laughs> the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, Oh, he must be a murderer, no doubt. Now, I've never been bitten by a snake. I've never seen someone bitten by a snake. But if I saw that happen, my instinct wouldn't be to go, well, clearly they must be a murderer. They're just getting what they deserve. When something bad happens to somebody, we love justice. We love to say, oh, they got what's coming to them. They're just getting what they deserve. It feels so good to watch somebody, but when it's us, we don't want that punishment. We don't want that to take place. But what happens next is absolutely astounding. So they say he must be a murderer. Even though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. In other words, they believe in karma. Obviously, he's done something extraordinary bad. He obviously killed somebody. And even though he was spared in the sea, the snake bit him. And now he's going to die. Goes around, comes around. By the way, that's not how grace and mercy of Jesus works. Just throwing that out there, just so you know. But this is what Paul does. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he must be a god. <laughs> now, we could talk about uh, this particular culture and their beliefs another time. But uh, we have reason to believe that they were somewhat educated and that they were somewhat barbaric as well. Kind of this in-between level of education, you could say. Um, but they had their superstitions. They had sort of their, their beliefs. And... Um, days go on. Let's, let's just finish the story here. Days kind of go on and they eventually find safe passage to the, the coast and then eventually make their way to Rome. But let me just share it with this for a few minutes. Okay. Paul knows God calls him to go to Rome. So he goes. 
and things don't go the way that he had planned for them to go. And when things start to go awry, when things start to seem suspicious, he speaks up. He says something. He says, look, I don't think this is the way we should go. I don't think this is how, how, how we should get there because this is what could happen. And of course, they don't listen to him. You're just a prisoner. They ignore him. And what happens? Exactly what Paul said would happen. Now, in his moment of distress, in his moment of tiredness, Paul's just trying to make a fire. He's just trying to get warm. He's just trying to cook some food. And then he gets bit by a snake. Now, what's fascinating is if you read the Great Commission in the book of Mark, Jesus actually commands his disciples um, to go and make disciples. And he says, you're going to go through some of these things and you're going to have to deal with serpents. You're going to have to deal with snakes. Now, this does not give us permission to go find the most poisonous snake and say, look at me, God's going to protect me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Although it is kind of a nice foreshadowing to what happens to Paul. No, what is he saying? He's saying that as you're persecuted, as you go through trials, as you go through hard times, as you get bit by poisonous snakes, when I have called you, when I have commissioned you, you will be okay. You will have power to overcome these things. Because I am with you. All right. So what does this tell us today? How does this apply to our lives? I don't always talk a long time today. I've read a lot, but let me just share you with these thoughts that I have for us. When things don't go our way, remember that God called us to go beyond our comfort zones. God called us to even ruffle a few feathers. The only reason Paul was in this position is because he was preaching the good news. And of course, what was good news for everybody was bad news for those who wanted control and for those who wanted power. What was good news for, for everybody was bad news for those who wanted control and power. And the ones who had control and power, they decided to persecute Paul, which led to this series of events. You know, sometimes I say, I just want to serve God and be left alone. Maybe, like, I'm an introvert. I don't want to, you know, go out there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your personality. I'm not telling you to, to ruffle feathers and be difficult for the sake of being difficult. I'm not telling you to stir the pot for the sake of stirring the pot. No, we want to be faithful to Jesus. And we want to be faithful to the call that he has in our lives. And sometimes, many times, people aren't going to like us for it. People are going to disagree. I'm not telling you to be pushy. I'm not telling you to go be in their face about it. I'm telling you to speak the truth in love, to be the hands and feet, to show love. And when you do that and you have these opportunities, it might just ruffle a few feathers. Because a spiritual blindness takes place for those who have a hard heart. Okay? So... God's going to call you to go beyond your comfort zone. It's going to feel uncomfortable. People aren't going to like you. We're going to have to deal with that really quickly. Remember that you're called. Remember that you're called by God. Also, God calls, God delivers. No matter the journey, no matter the trial, no matter the storm, no matter the snakes that come and bite you, God calls, God delivers. Put that in the comments today. God calls, God delivers. Say it out loud. God calls, God delivers. You know, he got sent on a wild journey. Then I realized he was called by Jesus to go to Rome for a purpose. He was commissioned by Jesus to go to Rome. 
God called him. God delivered him. Push forward even when no one else listens. If you find yourself standing alone, it's okay. You are faithful first to God. You are faithful first to the call that he placed on your life. Even when no one listens, push forward. Let him do the convicting. Let him and his Holy Spirit do the work. But you remain faithful and push forward even when no one listens. Even if you are right. Now, Paul had an I told you so moment. And I think sometimes it's warranted to say, you know, the, I had wisdom from God. I had wisdom from his word. I said, if we go down this path, this would happen. I said, if we go and make this decision, we could end up in this situation. But now that we're here, we can't go back and change the past. But here's the way forward. We always offer hope. We always offer love and we always offer encouragement. Yet we have to acknowledge why we are where we are, but we have to offer hope. We always have to offer hope. It's part of our call. It's part of the good news. So even if you've been right about something, even though they don't listen, always offer hope. And as I sort of said in the note, walk incredibly close with God. You know, someone once said to me, he said, Gary, now that you're starting, this is when I first started out full-time in, in ministry as pastoring. He said, Gary, just pray your guts out. No matter what, pray your guts out. Okay? Wherever you are, pray your guts out. Okay? Remain faithful to your call. Remain faithful to God. Stay close with him. And always offer hope. You know, as long as God has placed unfinished business for your life on earth, and as long as you're pursuing his will and following the Holy Spirit's guidance, you never need to be afraid of death because God is going to protect you. And we do not need to test God. Okay? Uh, the men were instructed to stay on the ship. Uh, I'm going to say stay close to God and he will not let you succumb to the storm. Okay? Don't, get, don't bail. Don't jump in the lifeboat. Cut it off. All right? You don't need a plan B. God will see you through. All right? When plans go out the win window and you have to improvise, don't go back. Don't say, well, you know, I, I can always go and do this. I can always go and do that. It's okay to be prepared. But seriously, put your trust in God. And, and the moment you start second-guessing God and you have those plan Bs, you've already lost. Right? Your foot might as well be in the lifeboat already. Lifeboats don't get you very far, by the way. Stay in the ship. Stay close to God and he'll protect you. He'll get you through the storm. All right, hold on to him no matter what. He'll get you through the storm. You might go weeks through the darkness, all right? You, you might be taken on water. You might feel like you're sinking. Hold on to God. Stay in the ship. And finally this, do not waste time in the trial, okay? Do not waste time in the trial. During this time of Paul's imprisonment, his first one, he wrote an incredible amount of letters of encouragement and wisdom. And we find those letters right here in the Bible today. In the New Testament, he writes letters to Ephesus. He writes letters to Timothy. He, he goes on and on. He, he doesn't waste his time. Even though he's not where he wants to be, even though he's not where, uh, you know, he's kind of living in this I told you so moment, he's not wasting his time. He's taking advantage of every opportunity here. Do not waste time in the trial. Just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean we can't live out our faith. Just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean we can't still work towards the goals that God has called us to. Yeah, you know what? Things have changed. 
Things are different. Things aren't going to be the same again. It's okay. Our destination remains the same. Our goal remains the same. We will go into all the world in making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. And God will give you power through his Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know the destination. You know that God will take care of you. Let nothing hold you back. Do not waste time in the trial. All right. I have talked an incredibly long time today. Thank you so much for sticking with me today. Remember that no matter the storm you go through in this life, hold on to God. Stay firm in him. And when it's time to stand up and give leadership and direction, have the courage and the boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, who is all authority in heaven and earth lies. Walk in that freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul, a prisoner, was free because the spirit of God was with him, because he had the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I gave you an opportunity to stand and, and receive the power. If you have, have yet to hear from God, do not give up seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. Take some time even now. Say, God, give me the power of the Holy Spirit to withstand the storm I'm about to go through. Withstand the storm that I'm in. Lord, I look for you for strength. Help me to improvise and, and come up with a plan now that I am where I am. Doesn't matter where you are because God can meet you exactly there. He's got the power and the ability. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity we've had together. Thank you for allowing me the privilege to pastor such an amazing church, an amazing group of people. Lord, people that love you, are passionate about you, that make disciples who make disciples. Lord, I pray that we would stick with you through your word. Lord, we'd follow Paul's example and hold on to you throughout every situation. I just pray a blessing over each one now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer, if you need someone to walk with you through your storm, we are here for you, right? We are a church family. Any one of us, we're here for each other. Reach out to someone today. If you want to lend a helping hand, a word of encouragement, reach out to someone today that doesn't know Jesus and offer them hope because the Lord is with you and it's part of your call. It's part of his desire and his plan for your life. If you need me, you know where to find me. God bless.